Welcome back. Now, you know, I don't nag you too much, do I? I? I really don't think I'm a nagger, but, and I don't really say to you listeners, these certain things are mandatory in life, but having an estate plan is really, really important. It's in the new year, and maybe you have a resolution to save money, maybe get your credit score up, maybe get things organized a little bit, and now put that on your list to get an estate plan. Um, it's something that you need to do, and you probably everybody probably needs to do it. Very few people will not need an estate plan, and the things that can happen when you don't have one are disastrous. And if you say to yourself, I don't have the money, well, someone's going to have a lot of money to litigate for years and years and cause all kinds of trouble. So we're going to talk about this, and we're going to be taking your legal questions. My next guest is truly one of the best estate planning lawyers in the state. Christian Manali has been a lawyer for 23 years. He does estate planning, guardianship. He gives tax advice, business formation. He he does the simplest wills uh, to the most complicated uh, that involved uh, t- wealth planning and income tax audits. Uh, he does a great job of working with people. I know when, when people call me to for a referral, I usually have him do this stuff. He's very great with the, uh, the WGN listeners. He's a brilliant and well-trained lawyer and he's here to talk with us. Happy New Year, Christian. How are you? Happy New Year. Great. Thanks for that introduction. Yeah, it's, and, and it's all true. Um, so let's let's start, you know, and some of these things we've talked about before, but, you know, we can hear them again. And for those of you out there who are who don't have an estate plan and want one, that's fine. For those of you out there who have an estate plan, you still might want to listen because we have some things to say about uh, how to revise your estate plan or maybe for others in your life who do not have an estate plan who could complicate your life if uh, if there is if there isn't one. So, Christian, let's start with the person who's sitting there going, well, I don't really have much. I've got some student loans. Maybe I have a house, but I don't have any equity in it, a couple savings accounts, some life insurance. I don't need a will. Like, At what point do you need a will or trust? And, I, and we're going to distinguish between a will and a trust, but who needs an estate plan? Well, as, as you said, uh, virtually everybody should think about getting an estate plan and at least talk to an attorney about you know, what, what type of planning you might need. It, in some cases, um, folks um, don't need too much planning. In other cases, they need a lot of planning. But basically, the idea behind an estate plan is just organizing your assets and having documents prepare, prepared to make, the, make it as easy as possible for your, your kids or your spouse, your loved ones, your beneficiaries to um, have access to funds after you're after you're gone and even simple things like you think oh i have a house but my kids are just going to take it but transferring title and i mean there's it, it can be complicated if you don't have a specific plan is that is it fair to say yeah it is as you said um sometimes people have a house with a, a mortgage on it they don't think it's worth a lot but you could be leaving a mess behind if you don't do some planning because the bank will not talk to um your kids won't talk to whoever's not on the mortgage with you, um, which can make things difficult. Um, sometimes people will will um, <clears throat> leave their um, their their estate plan up to chance, and let's say the house passes to the kids, and they keep paying the mortgage, and they keep paying the mortgage, and then um, one day they they lose a job and they're unable to pay it, um, and they get behind. They try to call the bank 
uh, in, in order to make arrangements to get current, and the bank won't even talk to them. And and the next thing you know, the house is in in foreclosure. Oh, so yeah. doing some some planning really is a is a good idea. And this um, this stuff happens it, more often it, than than you would think. And you know, being on the radio, Kristen, you, you know, you know how this goes. I mean, I get a lot of calls where we have these kind of issues. You know, where no one there was no estate plan, and now what? Now we have to undo it, and now you need litigation, or you need a lawyer to come in and and do things, and now you've got fighting with the family, and you've got confusion, and you've got loss, and ugh, it's and and it could have just been handled so easily by a call to a lawyer. And just a simple, uh, maybe some simple documentation uh, drafted. Um, let's just talk briefly as a big question that, that most commonly asked question. What is the difference between a will and a trust? And I know people always ask, well, which one is better and which one do I need? And- sure. So uh, a will um, is a document where you indicate how you want your assets to pass. And, and a will, even though you sign it while you're alive, it doesn't have any legal effect until you die. It's only on your death um, that it becomes valid. And and at that, it has to go through a probate court. A judge has to rule on the validity of the will and issue an order then appointing the, the executor that you name in the will as the person in charge. Um, so everything happens after death. With a trust, on the other hand, as soon as you sign the trust, it comes into being. And I tell people to think of a trust like a box that you can place things inside. Um, and so while you're alive, you're the trustee, you're the person in charge of the trust, you're the grantor, the person that created the trust, and you're the beneficiary, the person for whose benefit the trust is is um, holding the asset. So you place your assets in the trust like your house, bank accounts, investments, things of that nature, and on your death those assets automatically pass to the successor trustee, the person that you named to take take charge after you, who then delivers the assets to your beneficiaries that you name in the document. And so that all happens outside of probate, um, and that's the big advantage of a trust to a will is avoiding this court process known as probate, which, of course, is not the end of the world, and it's designed as fairly as possible to make things work the way a, a decedent would want, but it's expensive and you have to have a lawyer. And who wants to go through court? If you don't have to go to court ever in your life, you're a lucky human being. We're talking to Christian Manali about estate planning. If you have any questions here, give us a call, 312-981-7200, and we'll continue our conversation when we return. You know, I think we need to update that song, Mr. McCartney. I think the 64 is now 84, so I think we should change it. I think that because I think 64 doesn't sound that that old to me, really. Uh, we're talking to Christian Manelli, who is the fabulous estate planner. And, you know, I, I have to say, um, Christian is really good because he talks uh, English to, to, to clients because it's kind of a... Some people are a little nerved out going to a lawyer. And, you know, this is an important decision. This, you're talking about your death. You're talking about your children with somebody you don't know. But Christian has a really nice way of, of calming people down, telling them what they need, and then and ma- letting them make a decision because ultimately the decision is with the client. But, Christian, if, if people don't want to do it with you, how, how do how do people pick a good estate planning lawyer? What are some of the things that a person should should note about a good estate planning lawyer? Well, uh, 
that's an interesting question. I, I think an estate planning attorney should have um, the ability to communicate with you what your options are, should be able, should certainly um, get information from you regarding your assets and how your assets are titled and your family um, and, and your, your ideas about beneficiaries and should be able to take that information and make recommendations answer your questions. Um, a lot of times I get questions from people who, who should serve as my executor, as my trustee. I, you know, I'm an older person. Um, all my siblings are the same age. I'm afraid they're not going to be around. I don't have any kids. Um, you know, situations like that where um, um, it, 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 it's important to be given some options. So in, in a situation like that, I might tell somebody that, um, uh, a, a local bank or trust company could 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 serve as an executor or a trustee, or maybe we could figure out who the beneficiaries are of the asset, and maybe one of the beneficiaries would be the person that would be best suited to serve as a, an executor or a trustee. Um, what, um, but so so um, an, an attorney that is good at taking your information, being able to give you choices that you can understand, I think, would be your best fit for the state. Yeah, I mean, I get a lot of calls from people who have an estate planning lawyer, and then they're asking me questions. And I'm not saying I'm offended by that, because I, I, I open myself up for that on this show. But that said, I think, why you paid someone a lot of money? Why are you asking me? Shouldn't you? I mean, I, my lawyer doesn't return calls, or my lawyer doesn't, when she, when she talks, she talks in a different language, and she is not clear. And so I think, I think you know, that communication part is so important. And, and I also think, you know, just experience, you know, I think what we do as lawyers is like everything else. It's like being a plumber or a construction worker or whatever, or doctor, you know, you have, the more you do what you do, the better you get at it. And, um, and to have a broad range of skills, you know, and, and to know tax law and to know different things about real estate, you know, how real estate works. So when you're just sure. out of law school, you know, or you just dabble in estate planning, that's, I mean, that's not the person you want. There are plenty of people, uh, lawyers in this uh, great city and the suburbs who who do this and do only this, you know, and to me, that's the person you go to, the person who does it every single day of his or her life. Um, so what, when, when a person calls you up, what documents uh, will that person need to gather? Oh, that's a great question. So I, I try to make things as easy as possible for the client or the potential client. Um, I have a, and, and many estate planning estate planning attorneys have this same estate planning questionnaire or something similar to to take in the information that we need in order to, to help you do your estate plan. So you don't necessarily have to get out all your account statements and look up all the information, uh, get exact figures, that sort of stuff. People hate homework like that. And sometimes when I give someone an estate planning questionnaire, I say, do you think that, you ha- that you're that you going to fill this out? Um, and, and if not, then what I'll do is I'll, I'll fill it out while talking to them over the telephone. And uh, certainly um, the client won't have all the information sometimes to – to complete the entire questionnaire in that one phone call, but we can then identify a couple of things that the client can can go check into for for later. And and so the the purpose of the estate planning questionnaire is basically tell me what your assets are, 
what kind of assets, because there's different types of planning for different assets, both tax planning and and related to the transfer of, of the items, and then how they're how they're held. Are, are things held jointly between husband and wife, or partner and partner, or husband and husband, or wife and wife, and um, or, or with the kids, or are assets in the person's name alone? Which assets have beneficiary designations? That sort of thing. And then once once uh, the the estate planning attorney has an idea of what your assets are, he or she can formulate a plan for transferring those assets to the beneficiaries in the most tax-efficient manner you know, that's possible, and then also organizing those assets into trusts or into um, asset protection uh, vehicles like LLCs um, or, or other, other uh, entities, um, and then um, put, put together a plan that, that works best for the particular client. Um, and, and there's two phases. There's getting the documents prepared and signed, and then the second equally important part then is moving the assets to you know around to into the trust that that have been established and changing beneficiary designations and that sort of thing but once people do all of that they usually have um a great sense of relief you know, I, I, I sent, I do, I know that. And, and I, my, some of the people that I've referred to you, Christian, will call and say, I'm just so happy I did that. Why did I wait so long? Um, because it's just something that sort of builds up and you feel kind of like clean, like you just did something and you cleaned up this, this big question mark in your head and you know what's going to happen when you die. I mean, that, that, you know, it, and, I, and not to say doom and gloom, but with COVID and all these things, I think, People are having a real sense that um, you know your mortality is 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 an issue. Yeah. I mean, for everybody. So you don't want to leave that that mess. You know, I, I hate to tell people stories about doom and gloom, but the reason that I do, and Christian and I always talk about this amongst ourselves, is like. I hear people say, like, oh, you know, I've got a six hundred thousand dollar house, and I'm just going to put it in my kids' names. Well. You know, that's just what I'm going to do. I'm going to do that. There's no problem with that. I don't need a will. Well, Christian, can you name a problem with that? Well, yeah, then you, you'll you need your child to sign off on refinancing documents. And, and uh, if you want to sell or, or make changes, um, it can that can complicate things. If like you if you need your, to go in a nursing home. Yeah, like if you need to go in a nursing home and sell the, sell the property, maybe the kids don't want to sign it. How about How about you give it to one of your children I mean, I don't know. Maybe there's even gift tax issues to that. I'm not sure. But uh, but what if you give it to one of your children and it becomes part of a divorce? Now now she owns half of it, and now the court can take into consideration that she's got an interest in this big house, and maybe that she's going to get less support because because she's got this asset. Um, you know, or what happens if a child goes bankrupt or has credit issues and they try yeah. to foreclose on the house because your child didn't tell you that they have a credit problem? So, I mean, you know, there there are all kinds of another problems. Thing, yeah. Another thing that I see that a lot of people do is they'll they'll set up joint accounts with with different children or different yes. grandchildren. Let's say you've got ten grandchildren and you set up ten certificates of deposit, one one with each of them. The problem is. Life happens between when you do that and when you die, and you may need to use one of those CDs to fix your roof, and you never get around to evening it out. And on your death then, you know, you had planned for all the grandkids to get roughly the same amount of money, but because you needed to take the money out of the one CD in order to fix your roof, one grandkid's not getting, you know, the same amount as the others. 
So um, a lot of times when I talk to people about estate planning, um, I can I can tell them what they've already got in place is going to work, at least, you know, until one of the two spouses dies, perhaps, you know, a couple that owns everything jointly. Um, the only thing bad, you know, that could happen um, if, if, if they just hold everything jointly is that they die simultaneously, you know, in a car accident or some, you know, horrible yeah, I mean, like that. And you're not, you're not, I mean, many times you say what you have is fine. You, you don't really need to update or you don't need to do anything, which is what you want from a lawyer. You want a lawyer who's going to be honest with you to say, you know, your estate plan is fine. Um, let's, we, we just have a, just a, like a minute. Um, I want to just, um, I get a lot of calls from people who say there are beneficiaries to a will in another state or in Illinois, and they say, what is taking so long? It's been six years. Can, does a beneficiary have any right to know what's going on in probate? And if that person is just wondering what's going on, do you have to hire a lawyer? Do you, what, what, what do you do to um, find out what is going on in an estate plan, in an estate uh, probate well, case? Well, I, I can't speak to all the other states, but at least in Illinois, there's two types of administration that an estate can go through. One is court supervised, and that's, that's sort of rare. And the other is something called independent administration, where basically the court gives the executor, the administrator, as the case may be, pretty much free reign to get everything accomplished, pay off the debts and the taxes and expenses, and then do an accounting, provide that to the beneficiaries, get their approval, and then make distributions and and close the estate. So in in an independent administration situation, which would be 90% of the cases for for people, um, you, you, you don't necessarily have to have an attorney um, but you could contact whoever the executor is um, and talk to the attorney for the executor if the executor wants that um, to get updates on what's going on. But there are many things that could cause a snag in an estate. That, that's true. You know what? We're going to take a break. And when we come back, uh, I want to take your calls. 312-981-7200. 312-981-7200. Welcome back. We're talking estate planning with Christian Manelli. Christian, are you there? I'm riding hey, Christian. Hello. Hello. Okay, we got some textures and we've got a caller. Let's. Hey, let's go to Nancy. Jack, can you put Nancy on the line? Um, we're going to talk. She has a question about a trust and wondering if she needs a lawyer. Nope. Okay. Hi. Oh, hi, Nancy. Welcome to the show. How are you? Hi. Hi. Great. Thank you. Um, you know, we have this. My husband and I have the Susie Orman Will and Trust Kit, and you know, we started filling that out, and we're just wondering if we need a lawyer to kind of overlook everything or would this you know hold up in court just as it is it's always a good question we have a lot of those um online uh type things i get that question all the time christian what do you think about it honestly i i don't have a high opinion of the um do-it-yourself uh will and trust forms that you know it can seem tempting you look at the form and you just fill in some blanks and you know uh you, you get your end product. The problem is uh, knowing which form to use for a particular situation and how to prepare a form um, really should be left to an attorney. Um, you know, there's uh, also do-it-yourself uh, business documents, too, for LLCs and corporations and things. And uh, I really feel like it, it's like performing surgery on yourself, trying to perform you know, um, estate planning for yourself or or, or create, you know, legal documents without an attorney's supervision. Um, Now, I have, I will say that uh, I have had in the past 
somebody prepare documents using um, some Internet forms. And they, at any time they've ever given them to me, I always give them the benefit of the doubt. And if it'll work, you know, I'll say so. Okay, this will work fine for you. But um, I'd, I'd say in almost every instance, there's some major problem that needs to be addressed in order to make sure that the documents work. Nancy, um, that's a good, that's, you know, it's such a good question because we hear it all the time. And, you know, when you talk to lawyers, you're, you're saying to yourself, well, you're a lawyer. This is what you do for a living. You're protecting your, yeah. your but, but I have to say, having seen the problems that people go through for years. I had a caller who called in here. They, uh, the, the parents left uh, a trust and had two trustees, the brother and sister, so they couldn't agree on anything. The case went on for six years. They spent $100,000. It was more than some of the stuff was worth to fight over. And I just realized that had they just gotten a really good estate planning lawyer, this would have not been an issue at all. And I think that, and, and that was just, that was an estate planning lawyer who just didn't do a good job, not a form on the internet so again you know maybe if you feel strongly about doing this maybe you do it and you take it to a lawyer and 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 see what the lawyer has to say about it with with the expectation is the lawyer is probably going to have some comments on it so but thank you for the call i I, I appreciate it nancy um thanks so much okay thank Thank you you. um we had a couple texters um and I'm not sure. Okay, here's here's one that I get all the time. It's about the cost. But uh, 630 area code, I've been trying to talk my parents into a trust. They think a will is fine. Uh, how much does probate typically cost over the ease of establishing a trust? So that's a big question. But I think what I'd like you to answer, yeah. Christian, is when you do an estate plan, give me the range. Give me like the low end of the range, maybe not even you, but like any lawyer in the city of Chicago, what would be the low end? And then obviously, depending on if you're Ken Griffin or, or uh, J.B. Pritzker, you know, obviously it could be hundreds of thousands of dollars. Uh, I, I understand that you're, you're asking for the low range to prepare an estate plan. Yes. Okay. So I, I, I suppose um, it could be as low as maybe, maybe uh, 1500 perhaps. Um, and, you know, as high as hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions of dollars, of course. But um, I think it, it's a great question because I do run into situations where people don't have a lot in assets and they're agonizing over, you know, doing trusts over wills. And sometimes the question is, do you need the money that right now better more than um, is it going to be more more useful to you to have this money for your other needs? than it is to save this money for your beneficiaries down the road. And sometimes the answer is, yeah, let's just do simple wills. Let's not do, um, you know, trusts or a more complicated plan because, um, you know, we really can't afford it right now. And and as I said earlier, probate's not the end of the world. It's certainly an additional cost. Probate will typically run you thousands of dollars anywhere from, you know, on, on the cheap side of maybe maybe three or 4000 um, to again several hundred thousand, but but normally I'd say a, a, a probate estate is somewhere in the in the neighborhood of you know four thousand to, to ten thousand dollars for for many people. Um, well, but uh, and you look at that cost, and if yeah. you have to pay more for a trust, you know, it seems to me like you. That that's an easy decision. You get that trust. It's not in the courts. It's not going to take very long. You know, you you've got everything yeah. happens immediately. You know, for the most part. You know, so it's like either pay later or someone someone you pay now or you pay later. Right. So by doing an estate plan that avoids probate, you save money, but you also save time and you also save 
uh, headaches, um, particularly people that don't do any kind of a plan at all and then die and then their assets pass according to Illinois law. Sometimes that's the last thing that they wanted to have happen. Um, you know, so. Right. And, you know, and I get this question all the time. What if I just write it? I'm going to write it on a piece of paper. I'm going to say my house goes to my kids. My uh, my 401k goes to my nephew and uh, my antique rug and the, my the, my wife's diamond ring goes to my friend who lives next door. And I sign it. That's my will. That, that, everyone has to listen to it. Yes. No. <laughs> Unfortunately not. So. You know, wills have been around for hundreds of years, maybe thousands of years, and and the law has sort of um, been evolved and, and refined to the point where I think things are 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 uh, in place to make sure that a person's wishes are best um, respected. Um, if if you can trust the document that is purporting to be a will to be a will, and by that I mean you want to have witnesses two witnesses in Illinois watching you sign the document. They need to know that it is a will. You need to know that it's a will yourself. Um, and, and that safeguard would, you know, keeps um, forgeries and, and, and other documents or things that somebody might not have intended as a will, or maybe they wrote it on a piece of paper one day, but that's not, you know, what they really meant. When you go through the formality of actually sitting down with witnesses, you know that this document is your will. So, um, that's that's how I would answer it. Yeah, and it, so so basically, unless it's done the proper way, it is not enforceable. It, it's just not. That's, that's right. I mean, and, and no that's court right. is going to say, "Well, I think look, he really did mean it." Well, it doesn't matter. It, it just doesn't matter. Yeah. No matter if you want it to matter. Let's go to Barry. Um, hi, Barry. Welcome to the show. You have a comment about oh. the uh, cost of estate planning. Yeah, I just wanted to pass on, you were asking for a low number, and I just thought I'd mention that uh, last year my wife and I got a Berwyn lawyer in Berwyn, Illinois, and he put together uh, a trust for us, two wills, power of attorneys, financial and health care, all for about 750 Wow. Oh, that's great. Gotta love Berwyn. That's, you know. my, that's my birthplace, Barry. Did you know that? Uh, I did I, not know that. I am a 60402 girl. Well, I have a good friend of mine who's a CPA in Berwyn, and I asked him for recommendation of a lawyer, and he's the one that got me this guy. Well, that's great. I hope, and I hope it's a good uh, estate plan, and I hope it works for you. But I hope you don't need it for a very long time. So, thank yeah, I do too. All okay, right, thank you. All right, take, take, thanks for the call. Um, let's. Do we have any a little more? You know what? Let's let's take a break, and I want to talk. Uh, there, we've got some uh, textures who have uh, some questions. Uh, one that I really want to get to, Christian, is a estate planner said that you can plan for this estate plan to be in effect. And then it'll have to be changed in the next five years. I, I think that's what the, the texter said. And I want to get your feed on and your read on what that actually means. Give us a call here. We still have time to take your legal questions. 312-981-7200. Welcome back. We're talking about estate planning. Get an estate plan. Do it now. And we're talking to Christian Manali, who's of counsel with my firm. Uh, Christian, uh, you can you can reach Christian at my number, 312 312- 332-7800-312-332-7800 or Google my name, Karen Conti or Christian Manali. You can get to our website or you can go to the WGN Radio website, see my name and uh, email me there. Uh, you can also email me at WGN at AskKarenConti.com. Let's go to Lisa who has a good question. Hi, Lisa. Welcome to the show. You have a question about a land trust. 
Yeah, hi, Karen. Thanks so much for taking my call. Sure. Um, I was hoping Christian could describe the difference between putting your home in a land trust versus a normal trust. I don't know the difference. Good question. Um, yep, thank you. a great question. It really is a good question. So uh, land trusts are a, a available in Illinois. They're not available in every state, but in Illinois, you can use a land trust to put a piece of real estate inside that trust again think of it like a like a box and then on your death the the piece of property then passes to the person that you name as beneficiary in the land trust the difference between the land trust and a revocable trust is there's a few one is with a land trust the trustee is typically a bank or a trust company and you pay that bank or trust company an annual fee to serve as the trustee sometimes um so a land trust has um, the ability to sort of obscure the identity of the true owner of the property because all you know if you look up in the recorder's office um, that it's trust number so-and-so with this bank as trustee that's the owner of the property. And so if, if you don't want people to know who the owner of a particular piece of property is, a land trust is really good. Also, the land trust passes the property outside of probate. The disadvantage to the land trust is that it only works for one piece of property. You can't put multiple assets in there. Um, a revocable trust, you could put your house in it, you could put some commercial real estate, you can put your investment accounts, um, whatever you like. Uh, so, so those are the, the differences between those two types of trusts. Christian, can, does a land trust protect the owner like so so if you put your house in a land trust and say you get sued and there's a judgment against you does that protect you from a creditor no unfortunately not okay you can't put your own assets into a trust for yourself to protect them from creditors now someone can put their money in a trust for your benefit and protect them from your creditors you can also inherit money from someone else in a trust and it be protected from 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 your creditors. Uh, and so spouses, for example, can leave things to each other. When the first spouse dies, leave the assets to the surviving spouse in a marital trust that will then protect that money so that you know that the money's going to make its way down to the kids and not necessarily to a divorcing second spouse, for example. Um, but uh, yeah, Got you it. can't put your own assets, except you know there, there are some asset protection type planning uh, vehicles that you can do um, to help that, protect that from creditors. Yeah. beyond the scope of this, this conversation. Right. But, right. Um, yeah. Great. Okay, great. Thank, thank you yeah. for the call. Very much appreciate it, yeah, Lisa. Thank you. And you take care. Happy yeah. new year. Uh, Marie, welcome to the show. What's your question for Christian? Uh, my question is, uh, is it advisable to have a trust, um, a copy of the of the your trust with a bank or financial institution. So, uh, Maria, are you asking whether or not you should have them hold that the copy of it? Yes, a copy of it. Okay, so that's a bigger question. I think I like the question of when you are done with all of this estate planning and you have these documents, a trust or a will. What should you do with those documents, Christian? Another excellent question. So in in this instance, I'd say oh, the will, you absolutely need to keep the original will somewhere safe. And so a safety deposit box at a bank or a trust company would be a great place to put your will. 
your powers of attorney and your trust documents don't necessarily have to be originals in order for you to use them. So you don't necessarily need to keep the originals of those documents in a safety deposit box like you need to keep the will. However, if you've got a safety deposit box for your will already, then you know you can put the originals of those other documents in there. Um, but the will is the only document that is required to be original to be to be to be used uh, at all. Christian, I have a, I have a question, and thank you so much for the call, Maria. I hope that uh, answers your question. I I um. You know, you hear about this when someone dies. Oh, where, where's the will? No, here's the lawyer. No, he died. And here was it this other lawyer? And everyone's looking for the a copy of the of the paperwork. Mm-hmm. Um, do you recommend, like, so for instance, if I create a trust and I leave um, John Williams as my trustee, should I send him a copy of it? And should I say, John, in the event of my untimely death, here's you're the trustee. Here's what I want. Here are my wishes. Let me let me just explain. You know, I know it's right in the document, but I want to explain to you what I want with my with my uh, service, and I want you to you know what you, to do with all these uh, bank accounts, and what I want you to do with the house. Is that a good idea? I mean, and is that something you would recommend? So you know, there are different circumstances for for different people. So for a lot of people, I'd say yes. Go ahead and send copies of your will and trust to your executor and your trustee. Sometimes people don't want the people they named as the successor trustee or as ex- executor to see these things in advance for whatever reason. Um, and in those cases, I say, let let your executor and your trustee know where you're keeping your copies or where you're keeping your originals. Um, and, and I tell people also to keep other important information with their documents um, a list of account numbers, the estate planning questionnaire that I mentioned earlier, um, maybe a, a copy of a, a recent tax return, um, other important information and sort of like a, a death in case of death folder. Uh, you don't have to give that folder to someone, but at least tell somebody where it is. Um, and then there are instances where it makes a lot of sense to tell your kids, tell your beneficiaries, tell your trustee, your executor, this is why, I made these choices in my documents um, because unless they hear it out of your mouth, sometimes if, if one person's getting less than another, you know, they're not going to understand that you thought that you needed to give more to, to um, child A because child A needed more help and child B is self-sufficient. You know, we can say that in the documents too, but a lot of times, um, especially if there's something that might be controversial in your documents, if you can make those uh make the case to your to your beneficiaries or explain your thinking before you die it it saves hard feelings after your death that's a really really good point um okay so this question we had from an 847 it's really unclear because the text is kind of murky here but our state planner says plan on this for five years and then it will may it may need to be changed i i I think that's what it is so when you do an estate plan i guess the question is how often do you need to change it and update it so um, anytime there's a major life change, like a marriage or a divorce or a birth, is, is, is a time to think about, you know, reviewing your estate plan um, or a change in your finances, a change, um, let's say you inherit money from, from, from a relative or you get a new job or you're, you take on a new, a big investment, um, or if there's a change in the, um, the tax code. 
if there's a tax change, and I'm thinking that that's what the texter's estate planning attorney was alerting them to um, when the tax cuts or <laughs> tax cuts, when the, the tax changes were passed in 2017, um, a lot of those provisions sunset 10 years later because of how, how they were passed as a budget reconciliation. And so estate tax exemptions, for example, are are really high right now. The amount of money a person can pass to um, the next generation without penny, paying any estate tax is over um, $12 million. Um, it's, you know, or t- uh, $11 million. And it's, you know, between a married couple over 22 million. But those numbers are going to go back down probably around 6 million in 2026. Um, so um, generally, I don't, I don't, like to tell people to, you know, we're just doing these documents to be effective for a short period of time. When I draft documents, they take future things into account to the extent that's possible, especially tax changes, because you can never count on a client to come back like you asked them, you know, five years later to do something. Exactly. But, uh, that, that sounds wrong uh, to me. But, um, okay, I'm going to go quickly here, and I'm just going to answer a question quickly for Ken. Hi, if a man and woman live together for over 18 years but are not married, the man owns the property and he works, the woman's on disability. Does the woman have any legal rights to the property, maintenance, if they break up? Can he tell her to leave their home of 18 years immediately, or does he have to evict her legally as he is on the title? Um, when you're married to somebody, um, uh, you, you are entitled to maintenance, which is formerly known as alimony. When you are not married, you are not entitled to maintenance. So, Ken, you would not have to pay this uh, your, girl, your girlfriend or your ex-girlfriend maintenance if her name is is not on the property. She probably has no right at all to the property. However, you can't just kick her out. You will probably have to legally evict her uh, from that from the property. So that's the answer to that question. And this one is another murky one from the 309 area code. And we just have like literally 45 seconds, Christian. In Illinois, if a spouse's name is not on the mortgage, does it automatically go to the children? That doesn't make sense. So I think maybe what the question is, if the spouse's name is not on the house... And the person sure, dies. Yeah, go ahead. So if, if you die and you're married and have children, but you don't have a will, everything goes 50% to your spouse, 50% to the kids. If you don't have any kids, everything goes to your spouse. If you don't have a spouse, but you have kids, everything goes to your children. That's a very good short answer. Christian, thank you so much for joining me. Can you t- give out your phone number and, uh, and your email address? Sure. Uh, my email is jcmanali at kcontilaw.com. And they can call the, uh, they can just call the general number 312-332-7800. And um, uh, you'll, you'll get to, you'll get to Christian. Let me give that out again. 312-332-7800. And you can always uh, email me at wgn at com, and it's a quick forward over to Christian's office. Thank you so much for joining us, Christian. Take care. Thanks for having me. Bye-bye.